Welcome to the Mind Your OT Business podcast, where we empower and equip occupational therapy practitioners and others to be savvy and successful entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Laura Park Figueroa. Are you ready to take action? Let's jump in. Hello, hello, friends. I am here today to talk with you all about membership sites. But first, I want to encourage you and make a confession that I have tried to record this intro about four or five times now. And I realized that even though I've recorded close to 75 episodes of this podcast, I still struggle with imposter syndrome. I still struggle with feeling like I'm not articulate enough. I still struggle with not knowing if what I am putting out in the world has any value. And I just want you to be encouraged that Even when you've been doing something for a long time, you will still have those mindset issues to overcome and to really work towards being brave and and continuing to forge ahead even when you are unsure of yourself or feeling down about things. I think I need some sun. Today it's really cloudy out and I notice my mood is just kind of blah and cloudy days. But anyway... So I'm just doing true confession for you here and hoping to encourage you to say, keep on keeping on, even when you feel like you're having a hard day. So I am going to forge ahead here and move forward with this introduction and not record it a sixth or seventh time. So, okay, so membership sites. I have always said in my business that I would never do a membership site. And the reason is that I feel like it is a ball and chain that I would constantly have to feed. And I have gotten over that and I'm going to create a membership site now. And so I was talking with Katie Caspero on Instagram, who she is the owner of OT Graphically. She does these incredible research infographics and she has a library for people to a membership site, which is a library that you'll hear more about for people to talk about research and to access all of the infographics that she creates that summarize research in the field of OT or relevant to the field of OT. Now, you will hear me talk in this episode. We recorded this episode in January and It is now mid-March, and the reason that I've waited to publish this episode is because I was hoping to have more information about my membership to share with you all, and you'll hear in the episode me say, like, hey, it should go live in mid-February. Yeah, no, uh uh-uh. It's mid-March, and I'm not even close to having this thing ready to launch, and this is just an example of how... Things that you think in your business will be a short little project may take longer when you're making a major business pivot. So my membership site, and I think I say this in the episode, but just to give you some context, my membership site and my business is going to be focused solely on nature-based pediatric practitioners going forward. So my membership site will be called Therapy in the Great Outdoors, and it is going to be a membership site for nature-based pediatric therapists of all different kinds. And there will be free levels and practitioner levels and business levels. So there will be different ways to join the membership to access different resources related to nature-based practice and nature-based business. 
it is hopefully a way for me to streamline my business in order to get everything under one roof and really provide value to people, including free value for a large, large number of people. I'm hoping to move my Facebook over to this free membership platform. So a lot, a lot of work. And you'll hear me in the episode say I thought it would be done in February. And it's just so funny to hear that now when I listen back to the episode because I'm not even close. But it is worth it. It is worth it to take the time to do things right in your business. So when you hear me say, go to therapyinthegreatoutdoors.com and see if something is there. Yeah, no, there's nothing there yet. (laughs) I own the domain, but there's nothing up there yet. So it will be coming soon. If you are connected with me on social media, you will get an email when it is open. And I'll be sharing it widely, but it's going to be a minute or a month or a few months. (laughs) So, but I'm hard at work behind the scenes, I promise. So in this episode, Katie and I talk about how a membership site can help you scale your business. We talk about pricing. We talk about logistics of a membership site, how to track money and the finances related to a membership site. We also talk about creating a site with your needs in mind, as well as your customers' needs, and then also why more content is not always the answer. People really come to a membership for community as well, and so that is a big piece to think about when you're creating a membership site. Katie also has this brilliant way that she works with an advisory board, and she shares with us how she does that. So Katie has so much wisdom to share, and I am thrilled that she's here. So let's dive right into our interview. Welcome, Katie. (laughs) Thank you, Katie, for being here. I am so excited to have this conversation about memberships because both you and I have this as a relevant topic to us. So welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to be here again. Yes. Again, you might be, I'm trying to think if I have had any guest on twice, you might be the first in 68 episodes to be this. I I don't think I've had anyone come, come back to do an episode. And our, our topic is a little bit different this time, which is really interesting because you were starting your business. Maybe let's start with that. Like tell people where you were at when we first did an episode on Mind Your OT Business. You were you were just getting started. And then we can talk about how it grew into the membership site, which is our topic for the podcast today. Yeah, I think that's actually really interesting. I was doing a live coaching call with you and then that was recorded as a podcast. So uh-huh. you were very much coaching me through this process and I was in this crossroads of, you know, where am I going to take this business next? And after that conversation, I came away with it saying, you know, maybe a membership is the thing that will help Mm. me get there um, in addition to my design services. So this, this was an interesting journey and it's kind of almost like a year later to kind of check in and see uh, where, where things have grown and how I kind of made that decision and where that's led me to today. So I don't remember on that we didn't talk about a membership site on that call, did we? But were you thinking more toward, okay, I didn't think so. I was like, I don't know. I don't remember talking about that, but I love it that the conversation kind of, maybe my guess is spurred you thinking about how can you scale the business, right? Like how can you do it where you're not the one constantly providing the service? Because I think initially as even if people are starting a practice, right, you start out like, you love being with children or you love serving the clients that you serve. And so you're going to be the one providing the service, but you hit a ceiling of like, you just can't work anymore. And when we start businesses, I think it's always good to think about when I get to that point, what's going to happen. And so you did that from the very beginning, which is really awesome 
Cause you can't, if you're doing design and maybe we should tell people what you do, but, <laughs> but like, if you're doing design, like you, you can maybe outsource that, but it's not as easily outsourced or as passive income, although membership sites are not passive income, we'll discuss that too. It's a little harder to scale than you're managing a team and stuff. So tell people what you do as a designer doing your infographics at OT Graphically, and then also maybe share how the membership developed and what it what it is right now. What's the current form of your business? Yeah, absolutely. So I am a designer of research, a graphic designer of research. So I take those topics, those research topics and synthesize them in a way that is easily digestible for clients as well as occupational therapists to help them stay up to date on research. My clients are researchers, universities, and business owners, usually healthcare business owners. Okay, great. I already have thoughts about like, maybe I could hire Katie to do an infographic of every research article that I'm going to put into my membership. So we'll be talking after. Yeah, the it gets very meta, very fast. <laughs> in yes, world. Yeah, yeah. yeah, totally. Okay. So you have, you've been doing the infographics, the research infographics for a year. And when did you, when did you kind of start working on the membership site idea? That's a really good question. I think once I had, so I was making an infographic every week for a year. So wow, I think I, once I was like, this is a lot. So I said, this could be, I mean, I'm not sure who owns this company, but my real like framework was the, um, I would, I'm a pediatric OT as well. I'm still working Mm -hmm. clinic based and I would go to tools to grow like five minutes before my session and print out a worksheet. And so that was kind of my thought process. Like I want to print out a research article that I can share five minutes before my session with a family that's asking me. So that was kind of my model of, I want to create something that could do this. And I want people to be able to access it, but then also access it as it updates too. Yes. Yes. I'm really, my brain is still like, I can't wait to talk to you after this call. Like (laughs) after the podcast, I need to talk to you. (laughs) Okay. So for the membership site, I've poked around a little on what you have, like on your sales page for it, right? Because mm-hmm. in preparation for this podcast, for the membership site, is your pri- your primary customer is OTs, right? Or Correct. are you broader than that? Nope, just OTs or okay. OT business owners, you know, yes. as well. That seems to be a lot of their businesses are paying for it, you know, for their entire staff too. Yeah, that's fabulous. And if you don't mind sharing, like how has the marketing and sales as you've gotten started, how have they been? How has it been for you? Yeah, it's been interesting. So originally I had it closed and opened, closed and then opened. So um, I had like a week in February, a week in April where it was open. And then I opened it forever in July. So that was an interesting change. Marketing has, it's been slow, I think, Mm -hmm. slow to really get people to understand what I'm doing, get them to know and see from an outside looking in, what is this? What, how's this going to help me? That's been hard. And I think when I went back to school, I learned that I am a a conversational limiter. So I don't share a lot of information or I try to, I try to condense it, which is what I do with my infographics. But in, in doing that, I lose a lot of the information of like, you know, when I'm marketing, <laughs> I need to kind of overshare. Um, so yeah, that's been an interesting when I learned that about myself to say, 
no, you need to like, get yourself out there, you know, get on reels, get on uh, a blog post, use words more. So that's been interesting. Oh, this is such a great conversation. So tell me a little bit about, I know this is not on our outline of what we were going to discuss, but this is when a podcast gets interesting when things open up like this. So tell me a little bit about like, how did you find out that you were a what did you call it? A conversation limiter? Like that's not like, the right word. I can't remember what, what it was, but, <laughs> but what assessment was it? Well, like what process did you go through in your, in your schoolwork to, to discover that? If you remember, maybe you so don't. over there in the notebook over there. Um, <laughs> uh, I, 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 can I share with you afterwards? Cause it is a, like a test you can sure. take online. That's like a checklist. Okay. And you should kind of find where you are in that, like a manager, a manager would take this assessment and say, okay, I share too much or I don't share enough. Often many people don't share enough as a manager. People Interesting. want that information and they want it frequently and they want it, you know, in small bites. So, yep. Yeah. Yep. No, that's really good. I just love, I think as entrepreneurs, a lot of us, people that are listening, probably we're very interested in self-development and personal development and like being self-aware. I think that's really important for entrepreneurs. Like you just gave a perfect example of how being self-aware about your own preferences, your own personality, your own tendencies actually can enhance or can detract from your ability to do things in entrepreneurship that you need to do like market or sell. Right. So it's just, I love that you shared that example and thank you for sharing it because it was rather vulnerable to say, like, I learned this about myself and it's hard. I think it's just a wonderful example for people that if you do these types of, I know strengths finder is one, the Enneagram is another. I mean, there's a lot of different self-development and personal development and business finder, you know, assessments that you can do that really inform and can help you be a better business owner. So I'm just thankful that you shared that. Okay. So um, let's get into, I feel like we, we got into some of the process before we even talked about some of the foundational stuff, but that's okay. Um, I think let's go back a little bit and start by really defining for people the difference between a membership site versus other online products, such as an online course. Can you speak to that a little bit for people listening? Yeah, absolutely. So I think of an online course as something you might sign up for like a a online class. And that has modules you go through, you can kind of do it at your own pace. Um, That's kind of the user experience of that. It might, there might not be a community component to it. There might not, um, but it's definitely the focus is on that, like learning and those modules. And then to kind of step back from that, a membership, there could be a course embedded into a membership, but it Mm -hmm. is continually updated. It's a more like living dynamic platform where you're sharing on an ongoing basis. And it often does have that community piece where you're connecting with a bunch of people and, you know, getting to know them, whether that's virtually like on zoom or, you know, through a message board, something like that, but it can have a lot of different combinations of things. But the, the big idea is that you are paying a subscription fee and it is ongoing and continually updated. Yes. And thank you. That was a great explanation. And I think I'm wondering if you felt this way too. I think for a long time in my business, I have resisted the idea of a membership site because it felt like such, it felt like such a, whoa, once I create that, I have to feed it forever, you know? And I've, I've most of my programs to this point, and I'm, I'm shifting directions in 2022. And I'm sure we'll get into talking about like both what you and I have going on, but 
I'm shifting directions in 2022 and I am going to do a membership site now. And one of the things that really freed me up was the membership guys podcast, which you shared with me when I mentioned online that I was going to, I was considering a membership. You were like, you need to listen to this podcast. It's so great. So I binge listened for a few days and like listened to things on double time to just get the info. I needed. <laughs> and it was really great. But the thing that was so encouraging was that they said a membership site is never perfect. It's a living dynamic breathing thing that's going to change over time and become different than it is when you very first start it. And in some ways that was encouraging and in some ways still a little overwhelming because like, I've always done like open and closed programs, like, like, like a cohort where it's like, you start on this date, we end on this date. And I think I've had to wrap my brain around, and this is something in the group coaching program that I'm in right now, that's talking about scaling a business, right? I've had to wrap my brain around this idea that there is value in not doing a cohort model because in a cohort, like when something is open and closed on a specific date, you naturally are going to have the same way you'll have in a membership people that are more involved and that are staying, you know, right on the module and doing everything in the course, exactly how you've laid it out. And then there's other people by, by week three in a 15 week program, everybody's off you know, on their own pace. Right. So that was where that was a piece of information that I'm sharing just in case other people are thinking this, that was where I really thought, you know, maybe it's not what I think I was trying to be open to. Maybe it's not that the cohort is what's important. It's like so providing the support and the coaching and the space for people is what's important and not necessarily like keeping everyone on the same 15 week schedule or whatever it is. So I don't know if any of that resonates with you, like the fear of the membership being like this living, breathing animal being encouraging, but hard at the same time. Yeah. I had to really think deeply about that. And, yeah. and it really came back to what are my personal and life goals? What do I want my years to look like five, 10 years from now? Do I yeah. want to be doing this once a week, once a month for the rest of whenever yeah. my plan is to eventually sell this to someone. So because I have that in mind, I was able to kind of backtrack, you know, in five, 10 years, I want somebody else who's younger and who's, you know, more in research and, and is energized <laughs> to be able to, you know, take this on. So I'm really building it in a way that is it's systematized and it's yes. able to be outsourced. So because of that, it has made my life a lot easier, but you know, if that's not your goal, or if you want to be um, I'm trying to think of an example. Like if you just want to set it and forget it, you know, a course is probably for you. Right. It's just, what are your, what's your capacity? What are your goals? And, and how does that fit into that? So I think, and also, you know, things can change and, and this might change mm -hmm. one day. I told my members at the beginning, you know, I've created this with the framework of a library. I really think everything I do, I think of a library. I think it's a community space. It's places that have resources. It's where mm. people come to get just, you know, read and, and not talk to anyone, but also, you know, have conversations with their neighbor. Yeah. You know? So I really, that's my framework around it. And I really love that. So that is where my passion is. And that's kind of how I built it, but that might not be what you're passionate about. So yeah. That, you know, I definitely don't think through things lightly and it was definitely very intentional, mm. but it's, it's been really, I, oh, I guess the other thing is for research specifically, I learned this really important fact, which um, led me to a membership, but, you know, we have all this information, but if we don't discuss it, we won't implement it. So my thought was I need to create a space where we can discuss these graphics. I can't just put them out in the world, have people get them yes, and do nothing with them. So that was another motivation.
I want to repeat what you just said. Like if we just look at the research, but don't discuss it, we're not applying it. We don't do anything with it. And that is that little sound bite there needs to be all over your marketing, Katie, <laughs> because that's really the value that your space offers to people, right? Is the space to kind of engage in talking about these infographics, how people are using them in practice, how they're applying the findings in practice. It's just, it's so, you just said that so beautifully. And it's so important because we, we have to reflect like there's someone said this and I don't, I've, I've said it in some of my, um, in some of my courses, even that like, we think as OTs that we learn by doing, like we say that a lot, we learn by doing, we don't learn until we actually do something. And actually the learning comes from the doing plus reflecting. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's like you have to, your brain has to kind of process what you've learned. So I think you're, I think you're spot on with that. Okay. Let's talk about software and the platforms you use. So how it's set up, and then we'll get into a little more of maybe like pricing too. I don't know if I put that on, on the list. So software, what do you use? Yeah, this has been the bane of my existence, but I use uh, yeah. Square, Squarespace member areas, which is not conventional for a membership. I built it out myself um, okay. you know, pretty easily. It's not that hard to do on Squarespace, but it's, there's, it's limiting. And then I also use a platform called Mighty Networks, which has the community yeah. piece as well as an app, which is pretty fun. So you can be on your phone and engage in the community. That's where we host our journal clubs and things like that. Okay. That's great. I'm actually in the process right now of figuring this out and I'm just using Kajabi by default because that's where all my products are. So I just realized I have not said what I'm doing on this podcast, but I recorded it and shared it on the podcast I recorded two days ago. So I'm getting them split in my brain. Like, wait, I already shared. No, I didn't. So basically what I'm doing in the membership that I'm creating is putting all of the nature-based resources that we have in my practice into one place with a community element, with some research, with some treatment activities. Like there, it's going to be like a collaborative space essentially for nature-based right now, pediatrics. Although some people are trying to convince me to include adult practitioners too in there. And I'm like, that feels too big for me right now. So it's, it's going to be a membership for nature-based practitioners from any discipline, not just OT. The challenge is that all these things are already in Kajabi, but I think in my brain, I feel like a custom built website would be ideal where there could be icons for each thing and it could be color coded and it, all this stuff in my brain. And I share this to say, don't overcomplicate things when you are, <laughs> if anyone is listening, don't overcomplicate things. Like I already have Kajabi. I'm just going to use Kajabi. And anytime my brain starts to think, even when you said Squarespace, I was like, oh, maybe I should try Squarespace. Maybe I should try. No, no stop. Just use what you have and keep it simple. There's always time to change things later, but if you already are using a platform and for me, everything's already in there that, I, cause I have a bunch of products I've already created that are going into this membership. And it just does not make sense for me to use something outside of Kajabi. I will say Kajabi does not seem, it doesn't seem like it's going to be as pretty as I want, but I think the functionality is there. So maybe that's more important. I don't know. Do you know anyone who uses Kajabi for memberships? Yeah, I, I do. I can't think of them off the top of my head. Yeah. Well, I, I know that that's definitely a thing. Um, okay. and I think 
you're like absolutely right. Like use what you know, cause it, the time to learn it, like to learn how to build yeah. a WordPress site, like that has been on my list of things to do for a year and I am just terrified of it. So I actually am trying to outsource that actually next week. So yeah, I think there's always going to be things that are going to slow you down. And if you can get started with something, you know, there's always the the risk that you're going to outgrow it and you probably will, or, you know, you can go big, but no, it's going to slow you down. So it, yeah. I guess it's just where your momentum is and what you feel like is, is right for your, for your business. Cause you can get stuck in the analysis paralysis yeah. for sure. I, I actually think like, as you were talking, I, I realized, I actually think maybe maybe I could hire a designer to create a sort of landing page in Kajabi that would be kind of the central hub for the membership, but it could, it could funnel people to the individual products. Cause the way that I am going to have things set up in Kajabi is like the community is going to be its own product in Kajabi. So when you go to the community, you're in the space where you can interact with other people and you can post questions or you can interact in discussion, or you can go to the research library and you can watch videos, summaries of research or access downloadables infographics that I'm going to beg you to make for me (laughs) Um, and pay you well to make for me (laughs) because you should be paid for your service. So obviously, so um, yeah, so I, I just, I'm envisioning it and it's kind of, it's like hard in my mind. I think, I think the user experience is really important to me. I want people to be able to easily use it. And in my mind, it's hard to see how it's going to all be set up. So I'm wondering if maybe getting a designer just to do the page that links everything might make sense for, for me. Anyway, I'm thinking out loud at this point. So let's move on. No. <laughs> well, I do have one thing. I think one yeah. thing that I did do kind of between when we talked and when I made a membership was yeah. I created it. And then I posted on Instagram. I said, Hey, I'll give you a $5 gift card to any coffee shop you want. Give me feedback. And so I yeah. had 15 people share their information of like, Hey, this doesn't, this link doesn't work. Hey, this doesn't make sense to my brain. And I would have never thought of those things. And then when I did that, I felt like that made the launch a lot smoother because I had all this feedback and I, my research brain, I actually like wrote, took all their information and I coded it and I made it so that like, these are the things I can change right now. These are the things I'll save for later. So yeah, that's just invaluable to do that. That's wonderful. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing a similar process. I've reached out to a couple of people that have been in both my business coaching program and the Contigo course, like the nature-based course that I teach. And I, it's kind of same, but a little more, I'm doing like intensive interviews with them where I'm paying them for their time and then talking with them and telling them what I'm envisioning and getting their feedback on things. So I love it that you did that. I think that's bringing up to, this is just such a valuable conversation. I think that's bringing up this idea of, I think a lot of times we operate when we're creating these things in our businesses in silos, you know, we're like, we're, we're laser focused on what we think will work. And until we get outside opinions, you're blind. You're just blind to things that other people can clearly see that you can't because you're too close to it. You know, you're, you're too like with your little claws in it and don't want to let go to what your ideas are. And really having people outside of the creation of it, give you feedback is key. So that is, that is something that I am really glad came up in our conversation. So, okay, let's talk about challenges. Oh, wait, let's talk about pricing first really quick. Cause that's kind of on the topic of how things work. So what do you charge for your site and how did you decide to do that? 
This is funny. Um, so I, <laughs> I have changed. I don't know if I hope any, nobody has been on the site in the past, like 24 hours, but I've changed the price about three times. Cause I've been back and forth because I've been trying to increase it because I feel like it's grows. Right. And you want that mm-hmm. more value, but I really just have that social justice heart. And that is just yeah. something hard for me to, to, to leave. Um, so right now it costs kind of the same as Amazon 120 a year and then okay. 10, like $11 a month. So that's kind of my framework, you know, same as Amazon prime. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's, I mean, that is, so one thing I have heard about online business, which I may have said in some previous episode, but I never assume that everyone's listened to everyone, every episode. So if you are making an online product, the value should be 10 times what people are getting. Right. So with my Contigo course, it is a $2,000 course because it has literally $20,000 worth of value. And I can, I can map out exactly how I came to that number. Right. So I know that the value of the course that I'm offering is actually 10 times in dollars, the amount that I'm charging for it. I mean, I would say you could even go higher on your price. You knew I was going to say this. <laughs> you knew I was going to use this as an example of like, you can charge more Katie. Cause I thought I, for some reason, I thought you were charging like 37 a month or something or 27. No, it's never been that no, high. I am. Um, so I, the way I came to that number. Um, okay. Yeah. Let's talk about that. So I backed into it. So I said, this is how much profit I want to make per month. This yep. is what covers my expenses. This is how many members I need to cover my expenses right now. My members cover my expenses for every month. Mm-hmm. So right now, anything else is bonus on top of my, dis- so now it's kind of, I'm at the point where if I want to, I can get rid of my like design as much design services, but mm-hmm. my design services are really, I can kind of pick and choose which ones I want. Cause I have that flexibility. So yep. I think what, because maybe, um, I have that end goal, you know, I'm not as concerned. I'd rather help more people. I do think it limits people's engagement with it. The price of it. I think it's hmm. too inexpensive. That's why I was thinking about raising it because I think when you're paying like two lattes worth of per month, right, right, it doesn't feel as hard when you don't use it. But if it's a little bit more, you do, you know. So I'm trying to figure balance that too. So clearly, I haven't figured that out either. That's where but I'm the, at. I love, that. I love that you brought that up because that's a that's a process, right? And that it's okay to play with pricing in your business. It is your prerogative as the business owner to play with the pricing because sometimes it takes a little bit to figure out what feels right. Now, I do feel, I love that you said your your social justice heart and what feels right to you because I do think that while as helping professionals, I think we tend, most people that I've talked to, we tend to undervalue and underprice our services. And yet at the same time, we have to, do the money mindset work in our minds to feel confident charging what we're charging and be okay. Maybe with chart. I don't think we should price gouge people. I'm not advocating for prices to be like raised to these insane levels because everyone's delivering amazing value, right? Like we are, but there's also a, there is a max price for every service that's out there. Right. So I think we need to balance our tendencies as helping professionals to undervalue our services and have a wise understanding of what actually is a fair price for it that also compensates us what we're worth. And I missed, there was something else I was going to say there. Oh, and that you have to be fully in alignment with what you're charging, right? So it sounds like you are, it sounds like you're doing that 
work of thinking like, what do I feel is the most in alignment with my gut, you know, as a business owner, because if you don't feel in alignment with it, you're not going to be able to sell. I'm not talking to you in general. I'm, I'm talking you in general, everyone listening, you and I included, I'm not talking you, Katie Caspero, <laughs> but, um, so, so you have to be in alignment with that price or else you're not, you can't sell authentically. Like it's just going to feel out of sorts to you. So, right. I've had a, a few design projects where I've undersold and I, the work is not as good. It's really interesting huh. actually from a, from an artistic standpoint too. But I also, I think kind of a broader picture is my, uh, my thought process of how my um, membership works is it's in the middle. So I have my membership is kind of my mid range price. Hmm. And if you're not ready for that, you can buy individual graphics that are cheaper, or you can create your own and that's more expensive. So there's yeah. an upsell and a downsell. So if you have that in mind too, you kind of have to fit that into your bigger business structure too. Yeah, totally. I love that too, that you're pricing you have options for everyone. That's another strategy that I often talk with business owners about is to, you can around that quote unquote guilt. I say quote unquote, because it's false guilt. We can charge for our services, everyone. It is okay. Right. (laughs) That, that feeling that we have of like, oh my gosh, I have to charge someone. It feels weird. When you first get started, you get more comfortable as you go along having the multiple pricing structure of, of having different levels at which people can engage with you actually allows you to serve more people and to let go of some of that false guilt to say like, you don't have to pay my high ticket price for my very highest offer because I offer all this other stuff for free or for very low cost that you can access. But yes, my time is valuable and access to my infographic brain that is going to design your infographic for you based on the research you want synthesized that's going to cost a lot of money, right? Compared to being in a membership site where there's access to things that are pre-created. So I love that you did that. And I think it's a really great way for other people to structure their pricing as well. Okay. Let's talk about the hard things. So what, what was the biggest challenge for you as you got started with your membership site? Definitely software communicating. Mm -hmm. Um, That is so hard sometimes. I really wish I picked an email provider last because that really dictates everything else. Okay. And then also your payment, payment processes, you know, things like canceled payments, recurring, you know, if a credit card expires, it can't, you, you've canceled accounts that happens all the time. Sales tax tracking is a little bit more complicated because you're getting people from all over. Um, and then also just like once they pay originally, then that's what it is forever. So if it's wrong, it's very mm. tricky to undo. Yep. So that's interesting. <laughs> I've basically Squarespace customer service and Stripe customer services are my best friends right now. Yeah, right. And I do, th- I mean, there might be, because you're piecing together, you have Squarespace and you have Member Vault, which I, I have heard, or Member Vault, Mighty no, Network. Mighty, Networks, Mighty Networks, yeah, Mighty Networks. Networks. I've heard really good things about Mighty Networks, actually. Like I've heard the woman who created it on a podcast years ago. So I'm glad to know that that they're still they're still around because I know their their idea was to take kind of communities off of Facebook and let people own their, you know, own their stuff off of a social media platform. So yeah, that was a hard um, shift. We were on Facebook and there were about half of the people weren't on Facebook. So we weren't serving half of our members. So that was why I decided to do that. That is very helpful to me. Thank you. Because I have gone a little bit back and forth on do I, because 
Kajabi has a community, like you can, you can have a community forum in Kajabi. And I, for the years that I've been doing online business for the last two years, I've been going back and forth with like, should we, should we have the community for the, when I was doing bedrocks, could we have the community on Kajabi or should it still be a Facebook group or what should it be? And with the membership, I am going to have it in Kajabi because we are all so distracted on Facebook. You go to Facebook yeah. to do one thing and then there's like these pinging things everywhere and then you leave and you're like, wait, I never went to the group that I meant to go to when I was on Facebook just now. So I, I'm glad that you said that because that has like fully confirmed in my mind that I should do, that I should use Kajabi since I'm paying for it anyway. Okay. I have another question. I'm about to, my next interview is going to be with my accountant and we're going to talk all about taxes. I know everybody can't wait. It's so exciting. The topic of taxes, but it's a very important topic. And because you mentioned sales tax, this is something that I think a lot of business owners, me included, are kind of living in oblivion of, or we're not thinking about, and it can really bite you in the tail end and get you in big trouble in your business. So I want you to talk a little bit about give people give people a little like nugget about sales tax before I delve into it in my next episode <laughs> with my accountant. How do you manage sales tax? Let's talk about this for a minute. <laughs> I think really doing it yourself and understanding how it works is really mm. important. Um, it's really annoying, but just just be the one that's like. Excel sheet, crunching the numbers to see where everything is going. I use a budgeter called every dollar, and that really helps me see things well, as well as an Excel sheet, but every state is different and every state changes. So in every, in every country, I have a lot of people I've been in my, our membership is very international. I'd say it's like 50, 50. So that is complicated and complex. So if you don't have a good accountant that you can trust. It's really, really hard. And it's, I've had, I told my husband two nights ago, I was like, I woke up in the middle of the night thinking about taxes. <laughs> like yeah. that's what keeps me up at night. And I am just terrified and I, but I have all my stuff in place, but I'm still scared about it. So I think because it's ever changing and because it is so different from every state, it makes it very complicated, but there are a lot of software out there like Stripe tax will help you track which states you need to apply for. Once you reach a certain threshold, I think okay. like Kansas is like a dollar and then like California is like $200,000. So it's like, you can't, okay. you can't do that. Your brain can't do that. So getting software to help is really has been helpful for me and an accountant. Yeah. And the other thing too, is that a lot of, like, I know in California, at least when I lived there now I'm in Wisconsin. So the online business is in Wisconsin, but, um, I know in California, like when I looked into sales tax, like they didn't tax digital products. So I didn't have to charge sales tax when I sold digital products. But then honestly, I mean, I'm just being real here. Like I might have been in, like, I don't know if like someone bought in Utah, was I supposed to charge them sales tax for Utah because they live in Utah and they're making the purchase in Utah. It is so complex, 50 states, Mm -hmm. 50 different laws. Like it's, it is something that I really need to get set up before I do this membership site. Well, and then you get, don't even start on international. Like I just, yeah, I'm totally overwhelmed by the whole topic. And actually, it's, my not, it's actually not that bad once you get a handle okay. on it. It seems overwhelming, but just once you, you almost like learn by doing right when you do yeah. it yourself and you're like, oh, okay. You know, it, that was the moment I had where I finally 
physically did it myself and and put the numbers in. I was like, okay, this makes sense to me. It's just that financial education and financial literacy. I think that's really important too. Totally. That's like something I'm working on this year is my financial literacy. I'm getting all these businesses set up and splitting out things to save on taxes. And it's very fun and also feels crazy. like multiple tax return. And my account, my accountant, just like my bill for accounting, accounting just went up by like a lot. Like I'll be paying probably a thousand dollars a month now because it's like five different businesses and it's, it's a lot, but it's also going to save me more than that on taxes at the end of the year. So I need to put sales tax figuring out on my list of things to do because I, my accountant actually doesn't do sales tax for the purpose that it is it's not her area of expertise. And she's like, I'm not going to get into sales tax with my clients. So I need to figure that out and get someone to help me figure that out. So also might look at Stripe because I do use Stripe. There's another, yes, Stripe tax or Avalara tax. There's another, that's a really great resource too. I think it's (laughs) A-V-A-L-A-R-A. Okay, great. That's another great resource. It's like something that I think we have to constantly revisit because I know I looked at sales tax when I lived in California. Now that I live in Wisconsin, it's different. And they do tax digital sale of digital products here. But it's like only if I found out it's only if the digital product is a like a downloadable digital product that's not connected to a course with live components. So I was like, well, my membership's going to have live components. So essentially these are tax-free now. So it's just, it's like so complex to, to understand all the laws around sales tax and sales tax of what has to be taxed. Like some states don't tax digital products. So you might not have to collect sales tax. So anyway, that is all we will give to this topic here because yeah, Katie just like wiped her brow. Like, thank God I got through that one. Anyway, (laughs) okay. The challenges, we talked about taxes, talked about getting tracking when who leaves, whose card got declined and needs to be reinstated to the membership and all of that stuff. Like, I think it's important and a reminder to us that a membership site does not mean that you can set it and forget it. It's really, it really is like requires ongoing customer service. And the more it grows, the better your customer service and the bigger your team has to be to kind of manage the ongoing customer service needs. So let's talk about marketing a little bit. So how do you market the site? Yeah, I have a lot of different avenues. So right now um, I do a lot of networking events like this, um, as well as I present to universities, pretty fun. And then I also do from a social media standpoint, Instagram and Facebook, well, Instagram, Mm -hmm. and then it feeds to Facebook and then a blog and a podcast. But I would say I'm really intentional about those areas. I could be doing a lot more, um, but I track it every single week. Like this is the person that signed up and I try to figure out where they came from and keep doing more of that. Cause if you just keep doing more of what works, just it simplifies things. So I'm trying to slowly cut out, cut out things as I find them. Um, because you know, you only have so much time in the day. Um, but I really love doing things like blog posts and podcasts. So yeah, it's, it's been interesting. It is fabulous that you use data to inform what you do in your marketing. I think too many of us don't do that, myself included, a lot of times. Like, I just enjoy marketing. So sometimes I think it's easy for me to, you know, to think that like reels on Instagram are the best way to market. I mean, they, they do get very good reach. I do look at the data on Instagram every month, but like it's, 
too often, I think we're just in a kind of a standard kind of what we think we should be doing for marketing, but we're not actually looking at data to see where we're getting the most traction and where people are coming to us. And so I think it's incredible that you do that on a weekly basis. That's really, really great. Do you ever struggle with like not being able to find, I feel like a lot of times the data for marketing, it's like, you can't really pin down exactly what it was. Do you have that problem or is it just me? (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes I have to make a, <clears throat> an educated guess, yeah. but yeah, it's definitely, um, it's tricky. I also have like, as soon as someone signs up, I send them like an automated email, like welcome to the library. And then they have to fill out a form. And at the end it says, where did you find me? So that helps too. Okay, great. Yeah, that's great. So getting that data from people, as soon as they come in, when it's fresh in their mind, where they found you, that is a really good tip. I love that note to self put in the membership. Welcome email. Please tell us where you found out about the therapy and the great outdoors collective. Thank you, Katie. This is a free coaching call for me. Okay. Yeah, hey, um, <laughs> repay, repaying it, you know? Okay. So we talked about what was the hardest when you first got started, like the getting the customer service piece and the sales tax and all those kind of logistical things in place. And what is, what's been the, the biggest current challenge you've had as you're running the membership site? Yeah. And I think we talked about this a little bit earlier, but user experience. So how are people mm-hmm. able to navigate it? And these are my current members, you know, are they able to find the right things, what they look for? Um, is that process smooth? So that's something I'm really passionate about. And it's just, it's tricky because I am trying to help people save time. So I don't want to right. create, and also I don't want to create more information overload. So it's, it's a really important part of our, of our membership, which is why I'm making the decision to try to create my own website. That's more smooth. I get more control and it's a positive experience for the members. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I've struggled with that too, with even, even just in my marketing of what this is going to be, I'm like, and there's this, and there's this, and there's this, and there's this like, but I don't want people to be totally overwhelmed by it. Right. So I've been trying to, I've been trying to think very intentionally about not being perfectionistic about it. And just knowing that when we launch it, when we open it for enrollment, right, it's not going to be a research library of a hundred articles, all categorized from the last year. You know, it's, maybe there's a few articles in there to start and we add one per month, keeping the feeling of the whole thing light so that it doesn't completely overwhelm you and burn you out quickly. So that I think is a, is a key thing, like making sure if you're doing a membership site that you're not completely overloading people. Cause the last thing people need is more content. They need it curated. They, yeah, they need it curated. They need it easily, easily accessible. They need it clear and easy to navigate. Like those are the things that I think are at least what I'm thinking of and what it sounds like you, you have thought of in the design of your website. So the community piece is so essential because it's really helping people connect with the information, hearing it again. And then also for example, we have a lot of experts on specific topics in our mm-hmm. library. And that was my cat. Was that just your sneezed. kitty? Oh, <laughs> Sorry. leave the kitty it's... sneeze in. It's too cute. We have to leave it in. <laughs> She's either She's so cute. meow or sit on my lap. So she has to <laughs> 
Yeah. So the community piece, and it really lets experts kind of comment on what's going on and being, or what the research is saying and just really help that discussion because I think you can have all this content and we have that issue because we have so much content, but, and you also don't have to put everything out there. You can drip it out, you know, and you can only Mm -hmm. have a couple of things. You don't have to put everything out there all the time either. So, yeah, that is something I, I listened to one of the membership guys podcasts about, about, you know, having a membership site where people, people have access to their, the one way to do it, which I don't think I'm going to do and nor do you, but like, just for other people listening that one way you can do it is you can, there are ways you can give people access to things going forward, but not things before they got there. So that they're kind of, in a sense, they're getting what they pay for quote unquote, because they're only getting new content. They're not getting all the old content, but I kind of feel like the value is there if it's organized well and and easy to navigate, like the value just improves over time. If you're giving people access to what was there before, especially with both what you and I are, are planning or you're doing, I'm planning is, is like access to a library is very helpful if it's organized well, and you can access it right away. You, you just, the value just improves as you go really is how I kind of see it. So what do you think is the one piece of advice that you would give to any therapist listening who might have their wheels turning in their head about creating their own membership site? I'm going to give to you really quick. Um, so the first one is, is like write out what you want for your, like your end goal for your business. Um, and then have that guide your membership. Don't pick membership first and then pick your business topic. Does that make sense? Say it again. So (laughs) everyone hears it again. I, I didn't, I didn't reiterate this when you said it earlier, but I thought it was brilliant when you said, I want to, I'm creating this with the end in mind. I'm not seeing myself running this site until I'm 90 years old and I die. Right. I am seeing myself selling this off to someone in the future who can then take it and run with it. And I've created the structure for them. And that is brilliant. So say again, what you just said, because it was so good. Start with the end in mind. Is basically so think what about said, right? what your, what your goal is, your business goal, your business plan, yes. you know, take that document and say, does a membership fit into this versus saying, I want to build a membership, then picking your topic because yes. that's not going to work because your end goal, it might be, just live calls with people, you know, you you don't know that. Yeah. So I think it's, it's a big undertaking for not having that be the best method. Yes. And write out everything you, if you do want a membership, write out everything you want ahead of time and all the features you want. And then you can kind of plug and play versus picking the software first and then picking. Yes. And then be trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. Right. Right. And my last piece of quick advice, I'm sorry, I gave like seven, but um, it's great. It's, no, it's good. It's definitely the long game. It's frustrating, like how slow it increases, but it mm. is a steady increase of income consistently over time. Same as your investments or your retirement fund. It is not a get rich quick situation, right? but it is sustainable. And I think that is so comforting to me and mm-hmm. it allows me to serve more people. So Right. And you've set, you've set so many great advice. Thank you. And you've set so many good examples for people of keeping it sustainable and being intentional. Just in our conversation here, multiple times you've said things where 
you're being intentional about delivering value to people, not overwhelming them, and also keeping the workload reasonable for you as the business owner. Because it's always, I say this ad nauseum all the time. I feel like I say this every episode. Like we need to be creating businesses that are about serving ourselves as well as serving other people, or you, you burn out, you know, you just can't continue to give, give, give if your business model isn't serving you as the entrepreneur. So I, I just love how intentional you have been in all of the creation of this and the ongoing uh, management of it, because that's really the membership. It's like getting it set up is the one thing, but the ongoing, I actually think I'll love the ongoing management. (laughs) Because I love teaching and being with people so much. And one thing that I, that I haven't shared is that one of the reasons I'm doing this is because I have had people ask for it, but also I'm so tired of launching quote unquote all the time. And I know that, I know that nothing sells itself, right? I will have to be talking about it and showing people the value and driving people to sign up. But my plan is to have it just like yours is now open all the time. Like I I don't want to have these like intense launch things anymore where it's like five days you can sign up and then the doors close. Now that could change. Maybe I decide to do it differently. It's not created yet. So, but I, I do think that running it in an ongoing way feels like it puts you into a, a steady flow of work where it's more manageable in the long term. So anyways, that's just my comment. Okay. So we're on our last questions now our rapid fire questions, which I've asked you before, maybe on our last call. So if you want to go back and listen to Katie's previous and compare answers, this will be interesting because maybe you've had a bigger fail learn now. Like I am wondering what has been your biggest fail learn. That's my word for failure. We learn from failure, everyone. So that's what I call a failure is a fail learn. And what, so what's been the biggest failure and you've had as a business owner thus far, and how can other people avoid making that same mistake. Well, I think uh, one funny thing is I re-listened to your podcast about every other month, the one we did together. To oh, really? <laughs> oh, well, I'm, it's the gift that keeps on giving. I'm so glad. <laughs> I love it. It just gives me a little reset, but uh, so I might remember what I said, but I think the, when I thought about, you know, what am I, well, basically my system for what you're just, were talking about that system for continuously creating content I kept redoing it every month and doing a new, mm-hmm. and it was just, I would, I loved like new strategies, strategy right. and vision and goal is very much me, but the actual process is not me. So I would be like, yay, this is how we're going to do things and confuse my members. Like they're like, what's going on? Like, why are we changing this yeah. again? And, you know, and then I wasn't being consistent with how we're doing things. And then I think I lost them a few of them because of that. I, and I was not clear about, or I was over committing to what I could sure. do too. Yep. Um, so being consistent, I think of this as like, I work with a lot of kids um, that have trauma and you know, that consistency, that safety of being a consistent safety net of something that you yeah. can do, you know, you can do that sustainable is you have to really self-evaluate that. Cause right now yeah. it's not even right now, I have to go through so much research myself. It's not sustainable. So I'm bringing more people on to help with right. that, but that's, that's hot. like, we have such these big ideas and, but mm-hmm. to not do it, to think about the system and the steps that goes beyond that. So what I did was I found someone that that was their like 
mentorship model, specifically tech systems, because that was mm-hmm. really throwing me off. So I learned all about how to use Asana and that has been my lifesaver and, you know, moved on with life, but yeah, it's, I just have a hard time taking those, breaking things down into those small, small chunks. But when I was thinking, Hey, this is for someone else in the future that helped me too. Yeah. Asana for, for people listening is a project management app, essentially similar to Trello or Monday or ClickUp. There's a lot of different ones that business owners use. In my experience, Asana and Trello are very similar as far as user friendly. Some Mm -hmm. of the other ones are a little more, they are a steep learning curve and maybe aren't needed until your business is really huge and managing a lot of things. So that's a great reminder to us to keep things simple, as simple as possible and to be consistent. I could see myself and I could see many therapists starting a membership site, really trying to over deliver and doing too much in the space as the site owner. And it's something that Nicole Storms, my practice manager, I, she is like my most beloved business best friend, even though she is an independent contractor in my business. (laughs) Like I, I talk with her about so many business decisions and she's just very wise as a business owner. And that was one of the things she really talked in our talking about the collective and getting it up and going, she was saying like, I think that you like part of the growing pains of being a CEO is that you have to delegate. It's like you, you've been the face of this business for a long time and you've been doing a lot, but you can't possibly, you know, cause I was saying I'm struggling with like, I don't know how to like manage, like all these people I want involved, right? Like I want lots of nature-based therapists involved in this. And I'm like, I don't know how to manage this. Like this, my brain is going, you know, and she was like, there are going to be people who are so much better at things than you are on certain things. And you, she didn't quite say it this directly. Like you have to be able to admit that Laura, you know, like, but it just was such a good reminder that none of us are going to be all things to all people. And that when you create a membership site, it, it actually can be about stepping up as a CEO and knowing what you are really good at and what you are really passionate about. Nicole, if you're listening, I'm giving you total credit for this. This is basically what she said to me in a WhatsApp message yesterday, (laughs) knowing what you're passionate about, knowing what you love doing. And when you hit that point, that's a great point as a CEO to be able to focus on what you love doing and then be able to bring other people in and elevate them for what they love doing. You know, so it's it's a win-win if you look at it from that perspective. And any membership site that's going to grow really big, I think requires more than one person supporting it. Would you agree with that? I don't know cuz you're doing this, I'm not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I think it also keeps you accountable to to have other people. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I I definitely agree. And then having people that also agree with your mission and your vision and see what you're doing and yes. like what you're doing. I have a lot of people that say, I love what you're doing. And then I say, great, you want to work for me. So right, right, you right. Know, that's kind of the, <laughs> that's my job, you know, yes. that's how I get people in. So I, I do think that is really important to have those mi- vision and mission kind of written out. So, you know, that you can have people on board that are going to bring that forward too. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we're, we're really stronger together. Like it lends itself to the community being so much better when there's more people involved than just one, one person leading it. So that's great. Okay. So consistency. Okay. Tell me now I say these are rapid fire, but really they're more like still discussion. Cause I love them. <laughs> they're not like, Hey, answer quick and move on. So 
on the, on the flip side of that, tell us what's going really well right now in your business and maybe a tip other people could implement to have that success, that same success. Yeah, this is always a hard question because I'm very critical, uh, but I think my ability to kind of step back and it's not me, I think it's just my, um, you know, team in general, but having a chance to step back and analyze where everything is at. I have an advisory board that I brought Mm. together of people from really diverse backgrounds and to really get that feedback of like, Hey, there's all these things you want to do. You're doing too much. Just pick one, you know, that really direct feedback of, and then just kind of getting recalibrated, um, helps me every quarter to really be able to not, not become inconsistent (laughs) and and not get drawn away from the mission and the vision of what I want to see this business become and what, how many people I want to help. So I think that is, it's really easy to get caught in the weeds of, Ooh, I need this new thing, or this is going to help me. This is going to solve all my problems. Uh, but to have just humble yourself and have people that Mm -hmm. speak, speak truth into you and, and are able to, to keep you on track is really, really, um, has been working well for me. And I really value those conversations so much. And again, I listen to them over and over and over again and yeah. always find something new. So definitely um, being willing to accept that feedback. Yeah. So more questions now, sorry. You're <laughs> like, Cause I'm so interested in this. So I, I just finished reading and I'm, I'm, I keep meaning to post more about this on Instagram. So maybe once this episode comes out, I will have already shared some of this, but I'm, I just, read Napoleon Hill's classic book from like the, I think he wrote it in like the forties or fifties. Like it's called think and grow rich. And I think I had resisted that book for so long because the title is just kind of off-putting to me. It's like, how oh, please, you know, like, but, but my gosh, there is so much, it's very old fashioned and there's some offensive stuff in it. Like just hear me say that. But the key thing in the book is how much our mindset really influences our success in business. That's like the bottom line topic in the book. He goes into a million other things and it's, it's very interesting to read, but I think I wasn't quite ready for it until this specific point in my entrepreneurial journey. I think I had maybe glanced at it a couple of years ago or something. It just didn't resonate. So it's funny how sometimes the things that we need to hear come at just the right times. But in this book, I do have a point here in this book, I think maybe I don't know for certain, but I think maybe he was actually the original person to use the word mastermind, like how mastermind is thrown around and in entrepreneurial spaces now all the time, like, oh, master, I'm in a mastermind or you should join a mastermind or whatever. But he, he talks in the book about how he basically writes in the book about how he studied it's all men. Okay. Remember this was written in like the mid 1900s (laughs) from an American standpoint, but he, he interviewed 50 men that were very successful in life and in business and kind of synthesized what made them successful and mindset piece was the big thing. But one of the things he talks about is that Andrew Carnegie created this mastermind group of people around him. And Napoleon Hill in the book writes about how every very successful entrepreneur has a mastermind, essentially an advisory board, like whatever you call it, right. Of people around them that have helped their business to be successful, but no man, no man or woman or human being is an Island. Like we're not able to be successful in business without people around us. And that helped me so much that helped me with like this 
abundance mindset, you know, which is a term I've kind of before been like, oh, I just too many people like act like it's the be all end all in the entrepreneur space. But it really helped me. It, it really just shifted the thinking for me to be like, he's right. Like we're all better together and we all need one another. And no person can be an island unto themselves in entrepreneurship. Like you just, we rise together. And especially if you're in a mastermind kind of situation like that. So my question is, sorry, that was all the explanation leading up to the question. How often do you meet with this advisory board and are they critical in the decision-making in your business or are they more advising you and you're making the decisions in the business? So I meet with them quarterly and I drafted up like a, these are the, you know, bylaws or whatever of, okay, of the advisory board. So it's really clear, like it's a year commitment. You don't have to do any more, but I am going, cause you have to be careful. Cause you also could have people trying to get equity, which, you know, that also mm-hmm. probably would never happen, but it's just, just to right. be consistent and clear you know, this, this is what the expectations are. I'm gonna, and I wrote on it, you know, I will take your suggestions, but I do not have to use them. Yes, um, okay. And they, and then there's also, you know, it also depends if you have a, they don't, they're doing it volunteer. So that's very different if you have a paid advisory board too. Yes. Um, this might be too much detail, but basically. No, it's not. Keep going. Being clear about that. Well, it's just been such a big game changer for me, but being clear about that and also having consistent language and something they can refer back to. Um, and then we meet and they, we record the the session and I send okay. them like a SWOT analysis before. So they, they get the SWOT ahead of time. I record myself awesome. on loom sharing it. And then we, so then it's just all discussion. So I say, Hey, here are my challenges. Here are the three things I really want to get done by the end of the day. And then by the end of the hour, we have a, I have an action plan. So often I'm taking that advice because it's really good, um, sure. but not always. And how many people and where did you find them? Did you self-select them? There's six to eight, depending on how that's a lot, but it's, you know, a combination of people from different tech, uh, different sectors of the, of like, there's some data analysts, some business, some OT, um, some, a lot of people, I know them personally. So, right. Yeah. I'm trying to get the reason that I I don't know personally, but that's, you know, we're one, we did. Okay. (laughs) Right. 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 That's harder, right. To, to find those connections that you need to make the board a really strong advisory board. Like I like the idea of an advisory board. I'm, I'm, I asked you these questions because I'm trying to think through right now. I, I know that there are people that I have in mind that are just like incredible business owners and nature-based therapists who I want in the collective as like, as members. Yes. But like as, as mentors or coaches, or I don't know what I'm going to call them yet. And I, I haven't quite decided how to structure it. That's why I was asking you, because I think maybe it might make sense for there to be an advisory board and there to be no commitment beyond that. If they want to be in the collective, then there's a different role for that. But I'm also, I'm getting that feedback from people. Like, as I interview them, asking them, like, if I, you know, I would love you to be involved. Here's why I've asked you to have this call. Cause I respect you as a therapist and as an entrepreneur and so it's just, it's good for me to hear that you've set up that advisory board that, cause that helps me kind of think through how will I set up mentorship and like the community that's good, that's going to be leading the the collective essentially. So it's very fun. I've gotten, now I'm very motivated to work today, Katie. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> work on all this. I'll have yeah, to take I think, notes. I think that's a great idea. What you just said, that mentorship model. I love that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. We've tried to think through like, what is the, like, what's the ongoing price? Cause mine's going to be more expensive because there's, there's coaching involved and there's like a bunch of resources and it's going to be ongoing. And I we're leaning towards 97 a month, but I don't really know if that's what I'm going to land on. So I'm, you know, as usual, I'm sharing things that may change, but, <laughs> but, um, so I know it's like a higher like it's a higher price for a membership because memberships, we didn't say this actually, memberships tend to be lower priced monthly kind of ongoing membership. Um, And I have to think through how I'm going to structure pricing because they are going to get access to a lot of things the very first month they're in. So it's like they could pay for one month and essentially get like $1,500 worth of products that we've sold in the past. So I think I might have a membership fee that's pretty hefty to get in for the first month. Then you can be in the membership. This is the plan right now. Then you can be in the membership as long as you want. And if you want to join again later in the future, you don't have to pay the hefty membership fee again. So that's kind of my my thinking on it. You got any feedback for me on that while we're doing this coaching call, Katie? (laughs) (laughs) I know I like all of this is in the works for me. So don't think I have it all figured out at all. Um, but you know, this, you gotta put it in out there in the world, but, um, yeah, totally. I think I've had that challenge just because I have so many downloadable things where I worry if somebody's just going to pay for a month and then just cancel and take everything. Right. Um, but I think what is so nice about the community piece is you're really helping people engage. Like they could get all that stuff. Like think about you getting like a bag of clothes or a bag of stuff from target. And you're like, this is going to change my life. And then you don't use any of it, you know? (laughs) So I think of that, like, there's always probably going to be people that people that do that, but what it was like great other chance to just say, you know, like you said, you know, we're all in this together, just say, I have this, you know, information, but what really is going to make the difference is this discussion, this ongoing coaching Mm -hmm. that you're doing, the consulting, that is what's going to make the transformation that we're looking for, which for me, for you is to be nature-based therapist. I am assuming, you know, Mm -hmm. practicing the Contigo approach. And for me, it's being evidence-based practitioner. So um, I think, and then if they don't, you know, they say, Hey, we did this and I didn't become evidence-based, but I only looked at the graphics. I can really uh, say, well, well, you, you know, did you join the journal clubs? You know, that kind of stuff. So right. I think right. having that community piece of a membership is helps with that. And that value too increases, yeah. which is why I was considering raising my prices because we're adding this community. It's becoming much more consistent and it's something I'm very passionate about. So, and Absolutely. I'm also doing like I mean, live I- trainings about things too. So Yes. And I think you absolutely could raise your price and still be very affordable for, for the majority of people. I mean, how many people waste 50 bucks at target every month and don't think about it? You know, I mean, really like it's, it's like a lot of people do that. So it's really a matter of, I think we need to own that sometimes we're wasteful with our money and we really need to think about how much is 50 bucks really worth? Like (laughs) it's worth it to have research and evidence and all of that. I mean, I don't know if you're going to make that big a price jump, but The other thing I wanted to say is you mentioned the Contigo approach. It's a really interesting thing that may help people listening too. that. I thought about this when I I originally was going to call it the Contigo collective and have it be only for people who had come through my approach, like my, my nature-based therapy training, which is a separate course. So that's not going to be included in this membership. That's a separate thing altogether. And I decided not to do that with some advice from Nicole Storms once again, <laughs> because 
And also just with some of the research that I'm going to be doing for my PhD, like I actually was encouraged by my PhD committee to like expand my research broader than just the kind of, I had, I had narrowly defined nature-based therapy in terms of like kind of how I do it, which is like out in the woods away from a built setting. And they actually encouraged me to make it a lot broader to, to really look at like how are OTs working outdoors with children, like a much broader group of people to interview for my research. And it's the same with the membership site. Like I actually feel like the potential of the membership site to be a place where people that aren't using my approach don't even know about my approach, but can come because they're working in a school-based setting and they run a gardening program and they want to be with other OTs who do that. Or maybe they're doing farm-based therapy with animals and they want to talk about that. Like I, I see it as a place for like outdoor loving therapists. And it actually helped me to change my focus to that because I was I feel like it's much more what it is then. It's a collective of people instead of like me saying, here's my approach and everybody needs to use my approach to be in this community or whatever, which is, you know, I'm an Enneagram eight. I would love it if everyone used my approach. Okay. But if reality is, <laughs> that's not going to appeal to everyone. Right. So, um, yeah, so that's just my thought process behind it. I don't know if that helps anyone, but that's kind of like, I think you have to make sure that you have a I guess the lesson would be you have to make sure that you have a a broad enough audience to actually bring people into the community, right? And not so narrowly define it that that you might have a way smaller, teeny tiny audience. So just thinking about ideal customers. Okay. In the power yeah, go of ahead. the power of the name that, you know, that's really important. Spend time mm-hmm. on that. Yes. That what you name the site you mean? The membership, yeah. So- for sure. That was hard for me. Okay. What, what tips do you have for people on that line? Don't do what other people are doing (laughs) and just think about your own business. Um, but I picked library because that is what I saw it become. Yeah. And I, I loved your idea of a library as being a, a central, cause I was going to have a space in mind for like a research library. Right. But like, I I wasn't thinking about it, that libraries are actual physical location in the community that are social, that are a space for learning, a space for quiet, a space for conversation. It's just, I love the the concept of library in what you're doing. It's, it's It's a very brilliant name. So I love it. All right. Tell people, last, last question. I promise this will be rapid fire. I talk too much. Anyway. What are we on 90 minutes now? I haven't even looked at the clock here. We probably are running very long. Tell people where they can find you. And if they're interested in the OT Graphically Library, tell them where they can find that. Yeah. So my main area I kind of hang out in is Instagram at OT Graphically. And then the website you can find the membership on is otgraphically.com. So that's very easy. Check it out. Yeah. Yay. And I have no website. We were joking about this before we hit record that I have no website to send people to right now, but it will eventually be therapy in the great outdoors.com. So we're recording this in January. It probably will go live in February of 2022. So if you're listening to this, go check and see if there's something at therapy in the great outdoors.com. If you are a nature-based therapist interested in the Tigo collective and that's it. Thank you, Katie. I feel like this was a very, very helpful conversation selfishly for me and also for anyone out there who wants to start a membership site as a revenue source in their business. So thanks for making time. Thank you. 
So if the ending sounded kind of weird to that interview, Zoom cut out while we said goodbye to each other. So I promise you I didn't hang up on Katie. We did say bye to each other. (laughs) So that is a wrap. I hope that you got a lot of helpful things that will apply to your business. Even if you're not running a membership site, I think Katie just has such a good business sense and had so much wisdom to share with us that applies to really any business that we're running as therapist entrepreneurs. If you are a pediatric therapist that is interested in nature-based work and you haven't downloaded my free ebook yet, I want to let you know that it's available. So I wrote an eight-page ebook called The Nature-Based Practice Roadmap. And it is a guide to help you know what to focus on in each stage of starting and growing a nature-based pediatric practice, as well as how to avoid some mistakes that maybe I might have learned from experience. So harnessing my ability to be radically transparent to share with you what not to do (laughs) as you get started in nature-based practice. So that is available for you at bit.ly slash nature roadmap, B-I-T dot L-Y slash nature roadmap. And you can download that for free. And then you will be on my email list and you will know when the membership site opens. You'll also be notified when the Contigo Approach online course is open as well. So that is the place to get all the info about anything that I offer related to nature-based therapy practice. So that's it. Take a small step because small steps make great gains over time. So until next time, mind your OT business.